We're going to look at the, um, the parable of the sower. But before we do that, I just want to um, talk about something, a, a short story that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, just to kind of frame a little bit of where we're going uh, with this. Um, so I don't know if we've managed to get a picture on the screen. So J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a book called Leaf by Niggle. And it was a short story, and the reason he wrote this was because he was getting frustrated that he couldn't actually finish the, um, the Lord of the Rings. He was getting to, towards his later years. Lord of the Rings had a lot of subplots, and he was getting really frustrated and thinking, I, I can't actually finish this. He was then, at, then he was commissioned by a newspaper to write a short story, and he wrote Leaf by Niggle. Niggle is the, ma- is the name of the main character, and he was a painter. You probably can see him there. And Niggle had one picture in particular he was trying to paint. First it was a leaf, and then it turned into a whole tree. And then his imagination took him behind the tree. The story said this, a country began to open out, and there were glimpses of a forest marching over the land and of mountains tipped with snow. Niggle lost interest in all the other pictures he was drawing. And he brought a canvas so big that he needed a ladder because he became obsessed with doing this picture. Niggle knew that he had to die at some point, but he said to himself, at any rate, I shall get this picture done, my real picture, before I have to go on this wretched journey. So he worked on his canvas, putting a touch here and rubbing a patch there, but he never got much done. Due to constant distractions and a number of setbacks, Niggle never finished his painting. When the driver came to take him on the journey, Niggle burst into tears and said, Oh dear, beginning to weep, and it's not even finished. Years went by. People forgot about him. His his painting was forgotten. People moved on. His painting seen by just a few eyes. But it doesn't end there. After his death, when Niggle gets to the outskirts of the heavenly country, something catches his eye and runs, and he runs towards it. And I love J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, words when he says this. Before Niggle, before him stood the tree, his tree finished, its leaves opening, its branches growing and bending in the wind that Niggle often felt or guessed, and yet had so often failed to catch. He gazed at the tree and slowly he lifted his arms and opened them wide, It's a gift, he said. What is God's kingdom like? It's like a tiny seed that grows into a tree and it bears fruit. And then it multiplies and grows into a vast, beautiful, never-ending country. However, right now on this earth, in 21st century Castleford, it could look like a half-finished picture. What does the fruit look like? Who sows the seed? Who grows the seed? If you are completely new to church, you're probably thinking, what on earth is he even talking about? All these questions, I pray, will be answered as we quickly look at this very famous parable that Jesus talked about. And we see our place in the story, and hopefully we're encouraged and excited about our future. So, two things we're going to do. We're going to quickly look at the context of the parable, And then we're going to look at the responses in the parable, and then we'll be finished. Okay. Jesus is a master storyteller. 
If we just go on to the first, if we go on to the first verse, that'd be great, Martin. Jesus is a master storyteller, and people are absolutely riveted with what Jesus is saying. You can picture the scenario. You can picture the, um, you know, what's going on. Crowds of people are there to see Jesus, and Jesus, because of the crowds of people, has to go on the boat, and then he has to go on the boat and then speak to people because there's so many people there. And he begins to speak in parables. What are parables? Parables are basically stories which people can relate to. So in the, uh, the people of the day, it was farmers, and obviously if he was doing it now, it'd be in a different context. But it's what people can relate to, what people can actually see themselves in. But it goes much deeper, that, deep, deeper than that. Jesus used them in a way to cut through to people because he demanded a response from them. It was to shake people up. The commentary says that one aim in using this method is to encourage serious, persistent, and perceptive, perceptive faith. Jesus was serious about the parables. They weren't just cute little tales which we uh, can imagine and um, just for people to relate to. He wanted to get right at the heart of the people. So the question we want to ask today is, after we've listened to the parables, after we've listened to the responses, after we've listened to Jesus explaining about the parable, how are we going to respond? How will I respond? How will you respond? So, today we're going to concentrate on the parable of the sower from verse 3 onwards. And Joe read it for us then. And I love the disciples' response. Because that puts me in the picture. Because that's exactly what I would do as well. I can absolutely imagine what's gone on here. So Jesus explains the parable. He talks to them. He explains, and you can imagine Jesus saying it in a powerful way. And, and the crowds of people are riveted and all the eyes are on Jesus as he's speaking to them. And he says right at the end, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And the disciples, you can imagine, are nodding along and listening to Jesus. And just so the crowd can see and, and it looks like they know what uh, they're talking about. And then when it gets quieter, the, Jesus, the uh, disciples say to Jesus, I don't get it. I don't actually get what you were saying. And that's all right. And Jesus responds to them. When Jesus responds to them, he says a strange thing. He says this. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. That, at the outside of it, sounds strange, doesn't it? Why would Jesus want people not to be forgiven? I don't, I don't get why that is said. As you look into this, and as I obviously read into this, Jesus was actually citing a, a a passage from Isaiah chapter 6. A prophet from the Old Testament who had a vision from God. This is one of the most famous uh, passages in Isaiah. Where Isaiah had an, uh, had an image of God which was absolutely mind-blowing. If God, in all his glory, came down here now and just appeared before all of us, we would not just simply look at him like we're watching a television program. That's not what would happen. If we were still alive, that experience would change our lives. 
angels calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. Do we sometimes belittle God? Do we sometimes think that God, just put God in a box and we say, you know, God is okay for, for me in this way or, or that way? But do, can we, do we elevate God to such a high standard that we know, think that even if we, I saw God now, I would not survive because of his glory? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth shook. The foundation shook as Isaiah saw this. And God says to Isaiah in verse 9, Be ever hearing, but not, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. God was basically saying to Isaiah, when you speak to people, people's hearts will harden. That is your calling. It's not going to be a case, Isaiah, that when you go to people, everyone's going to accept the word that you've spoken. You will be persecuted. People's hearts will harden. And I have commissioned that to happen. That is what God is saying to Isaiah. And when Jesus repeats this phrase, when Jesus repeats this, the disciples would have known exactly what he was saying. Because just as Isaiah spoke to people and people's hearts hardened, Jesus will speak to people and people's hearts will harden. There will be different responses to different people. We are not God. We cannot control how people respond. But people's hearts will harden. That's happened then. It's happened before. It's happened now. And it'll happen in the future. That is what happens. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying. A commentator says, The parable of the sower is explaining why some respond and enter, while others do not, when the grace of God is freely available to all. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher in the 1800s, says this, The same sun which melts wax hardens clay, and the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. I will ask the question again, how will we respond? How will I respond to the claims that Jesus makes to the gospel in the gospel message? Jesus then says, don't you understand this parable? In verse 13, I think it is. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Just pause. Who is the farmer? And what is the word? The farmer is Jesus himself. And it is the church. It is both. The word is the message of the gospel. See, God doesn't need us to spread the message. God could absolutely, if he chose to, save people without us. But he's chosen to use us. I have, I have heard of many examples of people literally opening up the Bible, the Holy Spirit enlightening their hearts and being changed by the message and God impacting them, impacting them there and then. But God actually wants the church to spread the message as well. In fact, if the church isn't doing that, that it's, not, it's not being the church. It's not spreading the message. To give hope to the hopeless, to be a Holy Spirit-empowered signpost to Jesus That's why we're having the refurbishment done, by the way. To basically create a space where we can be a better signpost. To communicate the gospel message to everyone. That's what we're doing. There's nothing magical that's going to be happening. There's nothing, there's no creative 
I don't know, you may disagree, but there's nothing, there's nothing, nothing magical within the, within the bricks and mortar. We just want it to be a creative space where we can select, um, show people Jesus and, and follow people and point people to Jesus. And what is the gospel message? The gospel message is this. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've seen. You're invited to have a relationship with the God who created the universe. And God came to this earth as a baby. He lived a life that we couldn't. And his name is Jesus. Jesus loves you and he has died for you. He's died for me to set us free. But he's not stayed dead. He is now ruling and reigning. And that's echoed in the words that we've just sung. What a powerful name it is in the name of Jesus. He is ruling and reigning now. Jesus is not dead. And what we need to do is like a small mustard seed, we need to trust in that Jesus and lean on him. There's nothing more that we can do. That's all that God asks of us. See, that's sowing seed. God has chosen to use us to communicate that amazing, life-changing, eternity-shaping message to everyone. So, Jesus then goes into the responses later on in the parable. And there's four responses that people can have to the message. The farmer sows the seed, and then there's different responses to, um, to the seed and, and how that is betrayed. And we will look into that. But firstly, I just want to say something. There is a danger when we look at these responses, and we, can be, we could potentially feel self-righteous and think, oh, thank goodness I've got the good seed. Thank goodness my heart is in the good soil. I'll pray for those people that haven't got the good soil. And yes, pray for, the peop- pray for people, absolutely. But it's God who grows, isn't it? It's nothing to do with us. Or vice versa, we may look at this and think that right at this moment, my heart is so hard, and because of that, there is no way I'll soften to the message. Let me say this, and it's really important for us to get this. It's not about how you start your journey. It's about how you end. It's not about how you start your journey. It's about how you end. We all start at the same point. We are all sinners. We are all people who have been separated from God. No one has been born and then has a right relationship with God straight away. We have all started at the same uh, point. That's the amazing message of the gospel. It's, the, it's an amazing level. We are all the same. But how will our journey end? It's not about becoming a Christian and then going to heaven. Because there's that thing in the middle that's called life. And life can get really messy. Our lives will go through amazing times and desperate dark times. We will all have our ups and downs. And if we're not careful, we can become like the character Niggle at the start, who I spoke about. And we can become frustrated because it looks like a beautiful picture, but it's just unfinished. And we're trying to finish it ourselves, but it will never happen. For encouragement, I want you just to think about the biblical heroes that we hold up to such a great standard. Just think about them. King David, he committed adultery and organized to have the husband of his mistress murdered. 
Abraham pimps out his wife. Jonah runs away and completely disagrees with God. Peter, a disciple, denied even knowing Jesus at all by being questioned by a little girl. Paul kills Christians for a living. They are heroes that we hold up to great esteem. But looking at the middle of these biblical heroes' lives is not like looking at the end. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 6-7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. God gives us the strength, you see, to keep fighting. We've just got to keep going and putting one foot in front of the other. And like what I said at the start, we lean and trust in Jesus' strength and God's strength. We lean and trust in him. It's not about us. As Ash last week said, church should look more like Alcoholic Anonymous than a social club of, of people's hero, um, egos. It should. Uh, there, there was a pastor which said he wants, his, he wants his church to be grimy. And what he means by that, he wants his church to, to be full of real people with real issues, with real struggles, and are just real with people. And not fake about it. But if we are struggling with things, then we, then we will talk and we pray for each other. So, with that in mind, we're going to look at the four responses. And we'll quickly go through the responses in the parable, and then we're going to wrap up. So, our hearts are the soil, and there's four different types. It's quite, it's quite basic, it's quite simple. Heart one, Jesus says, verse 15, some people are like seed, along the path where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, the word that was sown in them. Some people appear interested in the gospel message. And before you know it, not bothered. They don't care. And let's not be surprised at that because Jesus has said this is what's going to happen. Do we know someone like this? Is that us? Jesus said it was going to happen. And that's a response that will happen. It will come and then it will go. Heart two. Others like seeds sown on rocky places. Hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. See, some pe- so it goes up to another level now. Some people go from being interested to having to receive it with great joy. Where they see the gospel message, they see what's going on in church, they, 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 they get a sense of what's going on in the community of God and they're excited about it. And gradually, because for whatever reason, because they're not getting any teaching, or for whatever reason, they just fall away. When life happens, when trouble happens. Matt Chandler, a a pastor, says this, and he says it better than I can. So, I'm going to read this. One of the things that can rob us of following after Jesus Christ is being theologically thin. Theology and the study of who God is and what God is like doesn't lead to cold, dead orthodoxy, or at least it shouldn't. It should lead to an understanding of his goodness and grace that brings vibrancy and depth, purpose and meaning to the Christian life. So to see him for who he is, to gaze upon his beauty, to know his purposes and plans as much as we can know them in this kind of millisecond we're in the, in the creative order, is to have a type of rootedness that although we're perplexed, although we mourn, although we hurt, we can lean in and trust. 
we can lean in with hope. We can, with our brothers and sisters and in community, hang on to the words of God as being true, right, and good. We need roots. We need to hear the word. We need to be taught. And if we do that, then we can lean in and trust God. And if we, and we, if we gaze at God more, then that root becomes stronger. Heart three. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. When I read this, one of the first, and it, this is probably my mind, so I'm confessing something now. The first thing that I, that I thought of when I saw the word choke is, can you remember, um, if you've seen a James Bond film, where it, it's not going to necessarily kill someone, but... Sorry, kids, but he's, 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 he's going to get them, and he gets them in this kind of thing on, his, on the face, and they kind of just kind of fall down. Has, has anyone seen that? No? Okay, yeah, you, you, you get what I'm saying. Um, and you kind of think, is that person dead or is he sleeping? I don't know. We'll leave it up to chance. See, I said before, it's not becoming a Christian and going to heaven. There's... It's, it's life. Life is in the middle. And some things in life, they can be just the trudgery of life that happens. Or they could be big, cataclysmic, massive events that happen that will slowly and surely choke us out. And will choke the word out of us. I have had a crazy week. <laughs> I've had a really crazy week this week. I'm not even going to go to all of it. But on Tuesday... Let me give you an example. On Tuesday, Amy went to see, um, Evie's doing SATs, so she went to a, I came back from work, she went to a SATs meeting. And that's intense anyway with kids, go doing SATs. I was going to take the kids to uh, swimming, and then I opened the cupboard, and for whatever reason, with an unopened tin of paint, the tin of paint just fell on the floor, on the carpet. Okay? So, when the kids came up and saw this, they loved it. They went, oh man, mom's going to freak. Because <laughs> it wasn't them that was getting in trouble, it was me. I was like, ah. And if you've ever tried to clear paint up, it just gets worse. As you're doing it, it spills everywhere else. I'm going downstairs. It, it, was, it wasn't great. It wasn't pretty. So, that was Tuesday. And then I had to take the kids from in, and that was just a mental time. Wednesday... Our car on the M62 just decided to stop. Stop. Fold in. I had a lines of traffic. So if you're in that traffic jam, I do apologize. <laughs> I had hazards on. I was, and and it, it went on limp mode. So I was literally going on. Just, I couldn't even get out of first gear. There were people going, uh, passing me just going like this. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I called the AA out and they were, it wasn't great. And we were just like, what is going on this week? And it just made me think, the, dece- the, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for the things can come in and choke the word out of you. Just life, just a Tuesday. It doesn't have to be massive events, just life can do that. And in response to that, we bear no fruit. Heart four. Others like seed are on good soil, 
Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. The only soil that bears fruit is the good soil. The only soil that bears fruit is the soil that Jesus multiplies. It doesn't say we multiply. It doesn't say that we put in the seed, and because the seed is so good and regenerates itself, God grows. It's God who does it. And he doesn't just grow it, he multiplies it. See, despite our mess, if you're a Christian, despite our messes, God has multiplied things in our lives which doesn't, you can't even understand. God has done things which are saying, how has that even happened? And he's done these things. We can't explain it, but we keep on trusting in him. We keep on walking. We keep on putting one foot in front of the other. See, this is what he's talking about when he says in verse 30, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. A small seed a small seed grows into the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. God multiplies and grows despite the things that's going on in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 to, verse, uh, to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. God puts these things in our lives and, and shapes us. And these, the, this, this fruit of the Spirit comes out in ways that we don't even understand. But God does that. So in conclusion, who does the growing? Well, we already know the answer to that. We read, after Jesus, is, Jesus silences the wind and waves from about. His disciples were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Either the wind and the waves obey him. See, Jesus is in charge. He's the one that grows and multiplies. It's not about how good we are. It's not about how, what we have done. He's the one that has done it all. This church was planted and that a deliberate use of the word planted, this church was planted around about 10 years ago, I think. And it was like a small mustard seed. I can remember the meeting where I, Paul had with myself and Martin. And it was just at the start. And it was just an idea. It was just something which was, you know, could work. It was a small mustard seed. But we had a, there was a lot of hope and a lot of prayer. And then God throughout the years has done amazing things which... We couldn't have conjured up. We couldn't have conjured the fact that we're gonna, we would have a 10-year lease. We couldn't have conjured the fact that we'd, you know, we'd be able to have a different type of... Uh, we are different leaders, gifted leaders. We couldn't conjure up the fact that uh, Escape have allowed us to do what, what we're going to do. We couldn't conjure that up. God has done all of that. Just the seed of faith. See, what could the fruit of the Spirit look like in our context? As we... As we go into the next era, what could God's kingdom look like within the next phase? 
And it got me really excited when I started to think this because I started to think of the, the passage which says that God produces some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is so. Because it's not about us, that gives me hope in what, what can happen in the future. What could it look like? It could look like this. More lives changed. More relationships reconciled. Hope restored. Our community loving and serving one another. Showing love, joy, and peace to the people around us. Being countercultural. Churches being planted. Life groups flourishing. Our friends and neighbors being drawn in. People brought from death to life. Jesus being lifted up. And you may, see, you may hear that and you think, I could... I, know, I can feel that, I, know, I can see where you're going. Uh, th- that vision sounds compelling. I know that God can do all those things. But right now, at this moment in time, I feel like niggle at the start of the story. It looks like an unfinished picture. It looks like something that could happen, but it looks unfinished. All I can say is this. Like the farmer in verse 26, God grows. God waters. God produces. God multiplies. It's not about us. We simply, prayerfully, provide the space for the Holy Spirit to move. That's what we're doing upstairs now. We get involved. We build relationships with people. We love people and we love each other. That's what we are called to do. And then we sleep well knowing that God's got it, and it's not about us. We earnestly pray for God to do the work and water the seed that has been sown, and we are privileged to have a front row seat at God building his kingdom on this earth and in our town. Niggle, at the end of the book, raises his hands and looks at the tree and the beautiful landscape, and he says, what a gift. What a gift. It is a gift to be involved in this. It's what we are made to do. It's what we are called to do. It's what you are made for. We have been born for a time like this. You're not here by accident. We have been born for this time, for God to use you in this way. God invites us into the most exciting thing you can ever do. In fact, it's what you are made to do. So, I encourage you to get involved. Don't be a spectator. Play a part in God building his kingdom on his earth in this town, in this region, with a seed of faith and a lot of hope. Last verse we're going to look at, Matthew 9. I actually ended with this in my last last sermon, so I must really love this passage. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field.